0: Christmas is coming and the Turmans are getting ready. And for us, it all starts here in the basement. I love basements. My wife, Chan, not so much. Cause you know, it can get wet down here. The spiders love it down here, especially over there uh, where we do our laundry, but not this corner. This is the happy corner of the basement because this is where all of our Christmas stuff lives. I mean, we have some really cool fake trees. Like this is a, uh, an awesome newfangled tree that you can plug it into the wall and there's lights that light up. And this is a really groovy old school tree from Lithuania. And it's got these really cool secret doors and you can put a candle in there and it lights up. It's really awesome. And you know, maybe this is the same with you. Like the people who love you, they always give you ornaments. And so we have all these ornaments um, because people love us. And, and like nativity scenes of, of all sorts, we've got hand-carved ones and nativity scenes from all over the world. Um, and the, the, the Christmas lights that will go on the live Christmas tree that we got from the farmer's market. Yeah, and I always have to make sure there's plenty of wrapping paper so that Chan and the kids can wrap up all of those presents that they're buying for me, you know, getting ready for Christmas, like it's really, really a happy time. And in the church, we're getting ready for Christmas too, and we have a a special word for it, Advent, um, and and it begins today. Advent is is a season of of preparing. Um, it's. It's a word that comes from the Latin adventus, and it literally means a coming. We are preparing for the comings of Christ, the coming of Christ at Christmas that we celebrate and the second coming of Christ when he will come in final victory. So we're kind of like this, this in this in-between time uh, the the kingdom of God is is here, and uh, the kingdom of God is coming. It's now, uh, and it's not yet. You know, in the church, we we kind of uh, do do the same stuff that we do at home, like we we get the stuff out of the basement, the Christmas stuff, and and we decorate the outside with lights, and and we decorate God's house, the the sanctuary. But you know, um, we also uh, get ready for Christmas on the inside too because sometimes um, our spiritual basements uh, like it can be all covered in spider webs or it can be damp and moldy and we need a little light uh, christmas light uh, to shine on the inside so our text for today um, from luke chapter three is a classic advent story uh, it's a story about about John, the son of Zechariah. We call him John the Baptist. Um, He was out in the wilderness and he was getting people ready for Jesus. He was getting them ready for Christmas. But it wasn't really a a happy time uh, for Israel because they were in Rome's grip Augustus Caesar he died in eighty fourteen and and the emperor that's that's mentioned in our text, Tiberius, he uh, came after Caesar and uh, he was ruthless and um, in the eastern part of the Roman Empire, they were already worshipping him as a god well well, um, Herod the Great's two sons they're mentioned in our in our text uh, today too um, Herod Antipas and and Philip uh, they were the brothers. Um, they ruled kind of shakily uh, in the northern part of the kingdom. Um, and uh, they were pretty ruthless too, uh, trying to, to, to hold on to power. I mean, they were holding on to power with Rome's permission. Uh, Rome had taken control of the south. They were in control of Jerusalem. And, and all of these folks, they, they ruled with, with oppression and with fear. And people were miserable. And you know, the religious leaders weren't that much better either. You know, we can tell from the, the rebukes that Jesus gave and, and the, the challenges that he was uh, always uh, putting out there um, that, that it really wasn't much better with them. But in the midst of all of this, uh, all of this oppression, all of this misery, Luke tells us that the word of the Lord comes to John, son of Zechariah, out in the wilderness. And like just the, the very mention of this um, prophetic kind of, of language, uh, it inspires hope. And you know, I, I wonder, I, was like, I wonder what that word is that came to John, son of Zechariah. I wonder if it was the, the same word that the angel gave to John's dad, Zechariah, uh, when the angel was announcing John's birth. <laughs> In uh, Luke chapter 1 uh, verse 16 it says he meaning John will be filled with the Holy Spirit will turn many of the people of Israel to their God with the spirit and power of Elijah he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord so it's like the prophecy was that John would be a Turner he would turn people and sure enough we get to chapter 3 and Luke's story for us today and John is turning people Luke says that he was out in the wilderness proclaiming uh, this message of repentance and uh, to repent, uh, it, it means to turn. He was getting ready uh, for the coming of Jesus. John was was getting people ready for Christmas. And the people came by the thousands. Now, when I was looking at our Christmas stuff, I saw this. This is another gift that um, some people who loved us uh, gave as a Christmas present once. And I'm like, what, what's this doing uh, down here? With our, or with our Christmas ornaments um, and then I thought well it's kind of appropriate that it's here because uh, today uh, when we're thinking about a Wesleyan way of Christmas uh, we're really curious what does John Wesley have to say about all of this John the Baptist's um, life and calling um, w- was unique to that time in history, like God called him to uh, to turn people's hearts uh, to God and to each other. Well, uh, John, John Wesley and, and those early Methodists, they kind of did the same thing. Uh, you know, um, Wesley grew up in a time when the, the Church of England was, was really struggling. It was um, a bit too formal. It was was overly intellectual and basically irrelevant um, for most of society. It was a time when the church needed a turn. And so um, just like John, uh, son of Zechariah, who went out into the wilderness to preach, uh, John, son of Samuel Wesley, uh, went out into the fields to preach. And to call people to a a new kind of life, um, uh, to turn people to to this new kind of way. And and he became um, one of the most powerful forces uh, in that era, changed the face of Protestantism. And so this Advent, um, uh, many of us are are kind of journeying uh, through this book. It's called, All the Good, a Wesleyan Way of, of Christmas. And there's a lot of good stuff um, as we think about this first Sunday of Advent in this book, Methodist Theology and and a lot of history. Um, But uh, we talk about um, Advent, uh, that that during the the season of Advent that that we actually participate in the story of salvation, this, this story of God coming to us in Christ to save us from our sins. And that, you know, a big part of our participation is responding to God's grace, uh, receiving it, um, to to express um, it through love for God and, and love for each other. And repentance is a big part of that. Well, uh, John Wesley, um, according to John Wesley, he says that the way that we ex- express our love is that we cultivate fruits that are meat for repentance uh, through good works that he also called means of grace. And so Wesley categorized these means of grace in in two ways. There were works of piety and works of mercy. And in one of his his famous sermons, uh, The the Scripture Way of of Salvation, um, Wesley uh, says that that these, piet, these works of piety and these works of, of mercy, that they're necessary um, for, for people to make this turn so that you move from being irrelevant uh, to, to being fruitful. Um, and he called it sanctification. And, and I think Wesley, of course, got his inspiration from the words of Jesus, particularly uh, the parables that Jesus told, but I, but I think also um, from our story today, and you can see it in the words of John. So, after our text, um, after verse 6, if you, if you keep reading, um, John the Baptist, uh, he, he gives this some serious warning. It's one of those brood of vipers passages, you know, where he, he calls the religious leaders a brood of vipers, um, and, and he warns them, and, and I imagine anybody who was within earshot would have heard this warning that, that look—it's not about your lineage. It's not about the fact that you're a child of Abraham. Um, you know, it, it's about uh, bearing fruit. Like this, this baptism of, of repentance is to turn and be fruit-bearing people. And his warning was like, if it doesn't happen, you know, the axe is—the axe is, is at the root of the trees. So, the, the crowds are are hearing this, and they're like, so. You know, what are we supposed to do, the crowds ask. And, and, and in reply to that, uh, John the Baptist says, well, whoever has two coats, like, give one of those coats to somebody who doesn't have it. Uh, live uh, generously. And then the tax collectors come to him and, and say, well, well, what should we do? And uh, John the Baptist says, well, don't take any more than you're supposed to take. Be honest. The soldiers even come and they say, well, well what are we supposed to do? And, and he says, no extortion, no bullying. Be content with, with what you have. And so I'm, I'm reading this story and, and I kind of chuckled uh, because I thought, well, at least here's some good news in this warning." I noticed that John says that the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Like, the axe is still on the ground. It hasn't been picked up yet, uh, w- which means there's time. Uh, there's time for us to respond. There's time for us to to receive God's grace and to express our, our love in these ways. And so, um, John Wesley uh, talks about the means of grace and, and, and in those two different categories. And I, just, I just wanted to read um, so we'll know, like, this is what he means by that, he says. And this is, this is his writing from, um, um, from his writings. First, all works of piety, such as public prayer, family prayer, praying in our closet, receiving the supper of the Lord, searching the Scriptures by hearing, reading, meditating, and using such a measure of fasting or abstinence as our bodily health allows. Those are works of piety. Secondly, all works of mercy, whether they relate to the bodies or souls of men, such as feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, entertaining the stranger, visiting those who are in prison or sick or variously afflicted, such as the endeavoring to instruct the ignorant, to awaken the sinner, to quicken the lukewarm, to confirm the wavering, to comfort the feeble-minded, to help the tempted or contribute in any manner to the saving of souls from death. And one of the big things um, about this early Methodist movement that I think we're probably all familiar with, I know you've heard me talk about it before, is that the early Methodist leaders encouraged people to get into the small groups, these, these class meetings, uh, these bands of people, and kind of like their, their primary charge in those groups, or conviction, or purpose, was we're going to watch over each other's souls in love, watch over one another in love, and, and constantly asking this question, how is it with your soul? In our journey groups at First Methodist, um, that's kind of our primary purpose for coming together. Um, Not necessarily for a curriculum or a Bible study, um, but to watch over one another in love and to inquire, um, how is it with your soul? Now, there's another thing uh, in in this little book that I didn't know about about the early Methodists, and and I wanted to to share that with you. Um, It's in this section that talks about um, caring uh, for our time, like paying attention to and being mindful of how we spend our days, even our hours, like it really matters. And so it says that um, Wesley felt that the means of grace should be, constant, should, should be used constantly combining the inner with the outer expression of God's grace. An important component of early Methodist practices of means of grace, alongside with the small groups, and this is what I didn't know, and their accountability, was the care of one's time through keeping a diary. Like, they really encouraged people to keep a diary. And it says that Wesley used his diary to document the use of his time, which he reflected on with others to inform his own spiritual formation and specifically discern needs related to his sanctification toward Holy living, so they kept a diary to keep track of their participation in the means of grace, and they would bring their their diary or their journal to their small group meeting. And I think sometimes they would just trade off, and they would read each other. They would that was it was kind of read each other's stuff like that was their way of of holding each other to the flame, watching over one another in love, is seeing to it that we're all moving in this place, that we've turned from irrelevance to fruitfulness, that our sin um, is ever before us and ever before God's mercy and and grace and forgiveness. And it's pretty cool. So I think about um, Advent, our Advent this year, this happy time of getting ready for Christmas. And I ask myself, um, what turn am I going to take? And who am I going to bring with me? And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, this is a good day for me to make a commitment. And I want to invite you to make a commitment too, uh, to follow uh, these uh, Wesleyan practices this, and, and making it a Wesleyan way of Christmas that during the season of Advent. So this is what I'm going to do. I am going to, uh, every day, the 31 days that we have, Um, I'm going to practice works of piety. Um, I'm going to get up early, and and I'm going to light a candle, um, and and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray for you, my church. Uh, There's also a a devotional book. Maybe you've heard us talking about it. Um, It's a Wesleyan way of Christmas devotions for the season. There's 31 of them in here. And so my commitment is going to be to read one of these devotionals each day during the season of Advent, And then, uh, works of mercy, the feeding of the hungry, the caring for those who are naked, the visiting those who are in prison. You know, that's just this list of people who are vulnerable, Um, that that person that maybe doesn't have a coat, and I've got more than two coats. So my commitment during the season of Advent is to keep a weather eye out for that person who needs me to bring the light of Christmas, Not, not just for the physical things that they need, but maybe even for the words that I'll speak, uh, the light and the joy that I can bring, maybe because I started my day um, with my works of piety. And then uh, the last thing that I'm going to do is I'm going um, to keep a, a record of all of it in my journal. And my journey group doesn't know this yet, but I might even bring my journal, especially if they agree to do the same, um, and, and share all of this. As a way of of practicing Advent together, as a way of turning toward the light of Christ, as a way of getting ready for Christmas. I know that it won't always be a happy time, but I know in the end uh, it's going to be wonderful.